coming to you from the Spirit Lounge. I'm your host, Lily. With me is my co-host, Vanessa, and this is the Haunted Happy Hour Podcast. Thanks for joining us for this second episode of our special October series, The Supernatural Occult and Mysteries. Today, we'll be talking about poltergeists. And just like for our last episode, if you follow us on Facebook and Instagram, you already saw the featured drink slash topic teaser for today. So of course, if you don't already follow us, go check us out on there. For those of you who haven't already seen the drink for today, we're having the Felony Red Float. To make it yourself, all you do is add a few scoops of vanilla ice cream, pour some chilled red wine on top, we're actually using a wine called Felony Red from Wide River Winery, and then just finish it off with some pitted red cherries and a splash of club soda. All right, so let's go ahead and try this one. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, wow. That's actually really good. I really do like that. It's sweet and tangy, actually. It is. It's like, a, what is it? An adult version of a root beer float, fun of in, a kid's float. Yeah, yeah. It's fun in a glass. It's like, it's creamy, mm-hmm. but you get that little bit of fizz from the club soda. Yeah. I actually think I really like it a lot. Yeah. This would be great for any time, honestly. Right. A nice relaxing drink, but also like a treat. Yeah. the ice cream. Exactly. Yum. Okay. I love that. Good drink. Good drink. Okay, so now with our drinks in hand, we're ready to talk poltergeists. When it comes to paranormal activity, one of the most common terms that most people have heard is poltergeist. And many of us, I'm sure, know poltergeists from that old classic film series. Whereas ghost-like activity is known as a haunting, poltergeist activity can be termed more as a disturbance. A poltergeist is a type of spirit that apparently causes physical disturbances such as loud knocking sounds, lights turning on and off, doors slamming, and even fires breaking out mysteriously. Some have even documented accounts of poltergeist activity with the capability of levitating objects like furniture or other items that seemingly appear to float in midair. While many of us have heard the term before, a poltergeist is actually considered by some to be one of the rarest forms of hauntings and to many others, the most terrifying. Some skeptics claim that poltergeist activity can be explained away by psychological factors, citing illusions, memory lapses, delusions, or hallucinations. Others say it's simply a mass form of energy that a living person is unknowingly controlling. Whatever the case may be, poltergeists have caught the attention of paranormal enthusiasts and countless others who are just curious. Tucked away on the bend near the Fox River in a heavily wooded area 
in St. Charles, Illinois, sits a building that was once known as Al Capone's Hideaway and Speakeasy. Today, the now vacant building is hard to find. But for 1920s bootlegging and organized crime, this isolation so close to Chicago was prime real estate. First opening in 1917, the building was known as Reitmeyer's Beer Garden. When Prohibition hit a few years later, owner James Reitmeyer still kept the beer flowing with his own batch of bootleg brew that he made in a hidden cellar. Reitmeyer's bootlegging career wouldn't last long though. Once organized crime got into the business, Reitmeyer was forced to buy his alcohol from Capone. In its heyday, the beer garden would come to be known as the Mecca for a rough-and-tumble crowd. One month, Capone and his men would be at the restaurant drinking. Then the next, Bugs Moran and his guys would be there sampling the brews. It was rumored that Moran actually owned a rival bar just down the road from this Capone hideout. Though Al Capone didn't actually own the establishment, he did control it. It was also rumored to be one of his favorite hideouts. So, in the mid-1990s, the restaurant's new owners changed the name to Al Capone's Hideaway and Steakhouse. While the bootlegging, barroom brawls, and raids by federal agents were now a thing of the past, the restaurant still embodied the atmosphere of the speakeasy, all the way to its closure in February of 2012. Throughout its various expansion renovations, previous owners, Bill and Claudia Brooks, uncovered incredible relics telling stories of the past from this once trendy, crowd-pleasing hideaway. One such restoration project ended up revealing the copper tubing of the old stills once used for the bar's bootlegging ventures. With a great deal of obvious mob and illicit activity known to have taken place here, it's no wonder that heightened disturbances have been witnessed here by many. Specifically, tales of a certain pesky poltergeist have been reported. Though no one can really say for sure why poltergeist activity manifests in certain locations, or with certain individuals, the several documented reports and witnesses do give us some sort of evidence to validate the activity. Previous employee and mother to owner Claudia Brooks was one of the witnesses to the poltergeist activity. On numerous occasions, she saw the door between the bar and dining room completely swing open, just moving back and forth on its own. Realizing this would happen when she would call out specific kitchen orders, she curiously attempted to replicate the situations in order to have others hopefully witness the activity, which ultimately proved successful. The second floor 
is said to be a hotbed of poltergeist activity. And so much so that you can just feel it in the air, like a cloud thick with energy. One specific table is known to have glasses, forks, knives, plates, anything on the table simply fly off like it was pushed or thrown by an unseen force. Various noises, often sounding like voices, have been known to come from the second floor. Interestingly, this is the floor where many have said they've seen the apparition of an unknown woman in a white dress. Other poltergeist activity witnessed here includes knocking sounds and a window pane on the first floor that was unexplainably shattered and blown in. Over time, the owners, their family, and the entire staff all became witnesses to the activity in the restaurant. Activity that landed this location on the top 10 list of the most haunted restaurants in Illinois. All right, and that was the story of Al Capone's Hideaway and Speakeasy, just about, I think it's like 40 miles uh, west of Chicago in St. Charles. Uh, Vanessa, I know this was your first time hearing about it. What did you think about the activity here? Well, before I get into that, may I just mention, I still have a good amount of ice cream in my drink. (laughs) (laughs) I've been taking sips and listening to your story which I've it gave me like a cozy feeling with a drink, but at the same time, all the story and the happenings really was kind of an eye opener just because I've never heard of this story before. Right. You're getting the full effect, still having the drink. I am. Actually. I'm all done with mine. So, <laughs> um, no, I just thought it was interesting because, first of all, I bet it was like Christmas Day for these, uh, this couple uncovering all the items that they found. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I wish I was there. Right. It would be fun. That's a huge deal. Yeah. I mean, just doing the, the renovation, just thinking nothing of it. Yeah, you know the history, mm-hmm. which is great in and of itself. Right. But then uncovering these old-timey stills. Yeah. That's huge. Like, I mean, I know there's a bunch of, you know, relics yeah. left throughout and right. different gangster era type of buildings but to actually see one there because it's it's still there um i know that the business isn't isn't open anymore it's not functioning it closed in 2012 um the building is still there though last i heard i think it was in 2017 uh they were trying to reopen it i know uh couple of brothers and a sister bought the place in hopes of trying to reopen the restaurant but Mm. They kind of got into like a whole mess with the city, not wanting to give them a liquor license for one reason or, or another. Yeah, that's um, too bad. I know. So that would have been really cool. Yeah. I felt like I felt like a lot of people would have gone to this I, place. I would have loved it. Yeah, I, mean, I think it'd be cool to go. I agree. Um, but from what I read, the building is still standing and that stuff is mm-hmm. still there. You can see it. Like I saw pictures of it. Mm-hmm. Um, it runs from like the back where there used to be like an old chicken coop back in the day. Huh. And the pipes 
interestingly, they, they ran the pipes um, through the men's restroom out of the faucets. So the liquor would pour out of the faucets oh, wow. in the men's restroom. So you could get the full effect, honestly. Right. Right. Wow. So, I mean, obviously, that was for whenever they would get raided. Right. You know, the cops would make sense. That, right? Yeah. So that was cool. That's cool, though. But if it was still open, you could technically get a dinner and a show, honestly. <laughs> That's true. That's yeah. true. I mean, I I saw when I was looking for just more research on the on the place, uh, I ran into a, a video by a paranormal paranormal team. I think it's their local in Chicago. And they actually did an investigation there, which I'll actually end up posting that video because it's actually kind of cool. Oh. So I think it was in 2016 that they went and they did the investigation and mm -hmm. they were talking to the three uh, siblings that bought the place. Mm -hmm. And the siblings were going around and talking about the activity that they witnessed, you know, coming in. So mm -hmm. one thing that I didn't, I wasn't able to verify, um, but in the video, one of the brothers said that... One of the neighbors told him that there was a bartender mm -hmm. that was, um, I don't know if he was killed in the restaurant or if he just had a heart attack, you mm -hmm. know, whatever it was, somebody passed in the building. Yeah. Um, but I wasn't able to find that anywhere else. But I mean, to me, you know, just like any other place, I know when we did the uh, the Haunted Road Trip series and we talked about the place up in Minnesota, the Wabasha Street Caves. Oh, yeah. So that was the the speakeasy, yeah. the big speakeasy back in the day up there mm -hmm. in that area. You know, and there was a lot of activity that happened there. Right. You know, even, you know, with all the mobsters that would come, all the illicit activity, mm -hmm. you know, obviously right. stuff is happening. Stuff yeah. is going down. Right. Um, and, and I did see, too, that... This place, the Al Capone's Hideaway and Speakeasy, used to have cabins like right right outside the the place so that people could come and stay overnight and have their whatever, their their <laughs> trysts or their, ac their activities. Right. <laughs> Um, those have been long since knocked down, obviously, of to course. make room for yeah. a parking lot or whatever it is. Right. Um, but that just got me thinking, like, yeah, there's a lot of, I'm sure there's been a lot of murders that have happened right. here. I mean, obviously, don't quote me. Right. I don't know for sure, but. Inquestionable activity. Right. Yeah. That has to be the case. And um, so that was one of the things that the brother talked about. Um, one of the other things he mentioned was that he had taken a picture uh, of the specific a uh, little closet. It looked like it was under under a staircase. Mm -hmm. And people have said that they've seen images of faces. Oh. Yeah. So I didn't really know what to make of that. Yeah. Um, I mean, just because with pictures, you right. never really know. Yep. And that's what they always say, too. So you want to take several pictures before, you know, you start making your decisions of what it could be. Right. So, yeah, this is a really good one. I think it'd be fun to go visit this one. The thing is, we did talk about in our road trips as well about, you know, the Chicago scene and how it was and the historic uh, buildings and everything. So I think this would be a good one even for the road trip intent of it. I agree. I agree. So, I mean, if anyone out there happens to come across 
the the building itself. It is very tucked away uh, on the bend there in St. Charles. I mean, even if you can't get into the place, I just think that even the outside is it's a it's a big historical type of place, you know, especially if you're into that gangster era, Al Capone, Chicago type feel. Uh, even the outside of the building looks like it. I saw pictures of it. So it looks like a great place. I, I do hope it still happens to to reopen. I guess you never know. We'll see what happens. But in either case, that's the Al Capone speakeasy and hideaway. All right, and up next, we'll talk more about Poltergeist with Vanessa's next story about another location known for a terrifying amount of activity. That's up after the break. We're back now with Vanessa and talking more about poltergeist activity. So what's our next disturbing account? Our next story features a beautiful house overlooking the Hudson Bay in Nyack, New York. Built in the 1900s, this home has been used as a boarding house and a family residence. Reports of footsteps, beds shaking, and apparitions of spirits are some of the ghostly activity that can be found at this Victorian-style house. This house has been legally declared haunted by the state. The house was sitting vacant for years until George and Helen Akeley decided to uproot their family from their Maryland farm. In the 1960s, they purchased what they thought was a fabulous fixer-upper in New York. Still flying high from the purchase, Helen dismissed any signs of spectral activity. She would quickly give logical explanations for odd occurrences. Her husband, on the other hand, was not too happy. Since the first night they stayed at the house, he wanted lights on when they went to bed but did not want to talk about the strange happenings in the house. As days went on, doors would fly open for no reason at all. Footsteps would continue, even when no one was actually walking around. Light fixture cords would start to swing on windless days, then stop suddenly. Helen described a night she was alone in the house. She stood peacefully looking out the window at the beautiful, picturesque view of the Hudson. Suddenly, she felt a chill on her left side. She knew there was a presence there with her. She didn't see anyone, but she knew an entity occupied the space beside her. She found herself then asking whatever it was, it's beautiful on the river, isn't it? After a few minutes, she then said, Thank you for sharing the view with me. I'm going to bed now. She then turned to walk to her bedroom, shaking in fear. On occasion, one of her daughters would be woken up due to her bed shaking 
uncontrollably. This was a daily occurrence. If she did not get up right away, her bed would shake even harder. Since the Eckleys enjoyed renovating their house, Helen was always doing home improvements. One day in particular, she was alone painting the house. She had the feeling of being watched. She wanted to entertain the idea and have a little fun with it. She decided to say aloud, I hope you like the color. We hope you're pleased with what we are doing to the house. Not thinking much of it, she continued painting, but still feeling the sensation of being watched. She then turned over her shoulder and saw a man in Victorian garb sitting in front of the fireplace, rocking back and forth in a chair. He was nodding as if to say he liked the changes and disappeared. She stood paralyzed with fear and could not believe her eyes. She could not run and tell anyone because the kids were at school and her husband was at work. For 20 years, the Eckleys lived with these extra house guests. But in 1989, that all changed when the Ackleys finally decided it was time to move on and sell their house. Imagine you're in search of purchasing a brand new home. You are in search of that gem of a house. You have searched high and low and think you finally have found it. The diamond in the rough, the perfect place that you can call home, sweet home. Now, fast forward to the purchasing of the new home and all the signing of contracts that are involved. To your surprise, you found out the house is haunted and realize the seller of the house did not disclose this information to you. Well, this is what happened when the Ackleys tried to finally sell it. The new buyers were upset because they were not told of the ghostly happenings in the house sooner. This was a move that Ackleys would regret. The new buyers, the Stamboskis, felt that it was their right to have been told of the regular spectral occurrences. Stamboski made a $32,500 down payment on the agreed price of $650,000 for the house. When Stamboski learned of the haunting story, he filed an action requesting rescission of the contract of sale and for damages for fraudulent misrepresentation by Ackley and Ellis Realty. Stamboski did not attend the closing, which caused him to forfeit the down payment. Stamboski was not obligated to buy the house at this point. There was a second trial, and that's where Stamboski won the case. The case became known as the Ghostbuster ruling in New York. Today, the Ghostbusters ruling is a case that is frequently taught in law classes and brought up during other court cases because of how bizarre the entire situation was. Never before in the history of New York has a state declared a house to be haunted.
So, Lily, isn't that a wild story? Yeah, that's a really interesting one. And it seems like an important one, but I've never heard of it. I know. I actually have never heard of it until I started doing the research. That whole Ghostbusters ruling deal. I think it's kind of cool. (laughs) Well, for the name itself, anyway. Yeah, that's that's what gets me. Um, I mean, the fact that it ended up turning into this huge ordeal. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. And now there's that whole law. I mean, I know that's a that's a thing now for uh, up there in New York. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I know it's different. I've heard of I've heard of uh, things like that before. Um, the whole disclosing of. I mean, it sounds weird, but to say, oh yeah, my house is haunted. Do you right. want to buy it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, like I think Illinois, Illinois doesn't have that. Um, Yeah, no, because I actually looked it up. So it it said, according to a state by state analysis by Zillow, um, there are no states that require home sellers to voluntarily disclose alleged ghostly activities. So, yeah, yeah, technically you don't have to. Yeah, that's crazy. I know. But Uh, but I think the thing that that uh, really struck me the most is it's kind of similar to the story that I just read about. The activity not really being super scary and super what you would what you would picture a poltergeist to be. It's more of along the lines of like pesky, a pesky mm-hmm. poltergeist. Yes. Yep. So I thought that was that was kind of interesting that yeah. both of the stories kind of were were similar along the same lines. And, you know, it was just, you know, you would just see normal. I don't want to say normal, but. <laughs> For lack of better words. Right. Like random things, opening, closing, or, you know, like how you mentioned the light fixture cords just like swinging. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know like any paranormal investigator, you know, you'd want to try to debunk these things. You know, I know just like in the story that that uh, that I read about how one of the one of the things that really cued them off Mm -hmm. was how I mentioned that the the door would swing open and close Mm -hmm. constantly. And it's like, well is is the door frame off is something crooked does somebody walk by does does that does that make it shake and i'm sure it's the same thing with you know the swinging cords you right. know i know that you said that it's usually not windy there's right. no air coming through but you still always kind of want to try to find out right mm-hmm. yeah. but with everything else that was kind of piled up on there mm-hmm. i mean really at that point there's no denying that there is some kind of activity right there. and i feel like that you know she knew that there was something, you know, but she wanted to be respectful of it at the same time. Um, you know, just like initially in the story, um, like she kind of dismissed everything, you know, um, every, unfor- which I don't know if I'd be able to do that. I, I don't think I would either. Even if it's just like a pesky and maybe you're friendly. That's still kind of but freaky. it's like if you're the rest of your family is saying, hey, this is going on. Don't right. you think you would be a little bit more in tune? Right. You know, I mean, I guess. And I agree with you, too. There's, I could not dismiss it either. Um, I think I'd be tipped off by the fact that, OK, I want to find out what's happening. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I wonder, too, if her husband just kind of got bothered by it because she wasn't like, you know, respecting what was going on with him as well. Right, I don't know. Right. Well, and they lived there for a while, didn't yeah. they? How long? How many years? Um, gosh, like twenty some, wasn't 20 it? Twenty some, yeah. And again, I don't think I could have lived that there that long either. Right. You know. Well, and then, I mean, that just goes back to point out too that clearly this type of 
haunting this type of poltergeist activity that they had it wasn't anything like crazy bad you know it wasn't anything that was totally after them right but the fact that you know that there's footsteps there's apparitions here and there you know i don't know i don't know i think i'd be triggered by that and kind of (laughs) ptsd right because you hear about people that i mean obviously just like this person Mm -hmm. uh that get used to living in their haunted house or living with spirits or living with activity whatever it is Mm -hmm. you know and well that that's maybe what happened to her maybe i mean maybe i i don't know if i could ever get to that point i mean even if it was something friendly i mean Mm -hmm. maybe maybe if it was something friendly like i'm if it was i don't know a family member maybe like oh well that's different Maybe yeah. I'll be okay with you. I mean, obviously, it freaked me out for right, a while. Right. But they were talking about, like, um, soldiers, apparitions of soldiers. Um, like, her son actually saw one. Uh, it was a Revolutionary Navy lieutenant was actually, when I in my research, I noticed that one. And then the fact that I know I wouldn't like my bed shaking every morning. Yeah, that one would be a crazy I one. I would hate that. That's a crazy one. And, you know, good for her daughter not to, you know, I don't know, I guess be mad at her mom or be mad at her parents for, you know, I would be like, we need to move. I want to be out of here. Right. And that's another thing. I mean, the fact that, I mean, as a parent, why would you be even okay with your child possibly being traumatized by something like that? Like, I guess when the doors would open up and things like, like slam open, the other daughter would just close it up like it was just another day you know yeah that's weird i mean i guess like you said i would not want my kids to go through that if that was me right you know and that's that's a little sad i guess right (laughs) but i mean like you said if it was like a familiar member that of the family that you knew it's different but random ghosts you know that i don't even know yeah you never know (laughs) i mean and i guess it just goes with um you know, you you don't, I guess, we don't know what this woman's uh, background was. Yeah, you know, maybe true. she was completely in tune with the whole uh, paranormal, I don't know, side of everything. And she understood uh, spirits and everything and really just kind of wanted to maybe possibly help them and maybe be okay with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, though... This is like poltergeist activity. Mm-hmm. And to me, it's it's always odd whenever we talk about poltergeist because it's it's something that no one really knows what it is mm-hmm. or how it comes about. And it just kind of happens randomly. And you're really not sure what it is. I mean, I'm not I'm not saying that you are 100 percent sure whenever it comes to normal hauntings, to normal, you know, just right, spirit activity. Right. But with poltergeist, that's that's very different, mm-hmm. you know. And, I mean, like we mentioned earlier, um, how skeptics do talk about possibly hallucinations, you know, psychological factors coming into play. Mm-hmm. But there's also this idea, have you heard of this? This idea that people can actually manifest spirit activity manifest ghosts manifest energy 
Hmm, interesting. I yeah. haven't heard that one. So there was this, uh, it was like an experiment, like back in the 70s. Mm-hmm. I think it was like a group of um, researchers up in Canada. Yeah. And they actually did this thing where this whole group of them just focused their energy on creating this identity of this person that they wanted to be a spirit Mm -hmm. and i can't remember what they named him but he had a name he had a whole story you know months of them kind of focusing in on this they drew pictures of what this spirit looked like um, and they would talk to him they would do all kinds of stuff and you know after a few months they started getting this spirit that they named that they gave an identity to coming through and responding to them oh wow right that's crazy so i mean it's it's not completely unheard of it's happened it's not it's not the norm obviously mm-hmm. um but you know that's i think one of the reasons why you have skeptics then that will say well your your individual energy can kind of create this you know and i have heard too i'm sure you've seen like we've seen random uh just shows on paranormal yeah and you know mediums coming in and out and talking about it and whenever there's big like turmoil in the household that does tend to create negative energy and then create activity in the house because it's like trauma right so i wonder if that's kind of what it is now now that i'm thinking about Mm -hmm. it and kind of piecing it together i'm Mm -hmm. like i wonder if that's kind of Mm -hmm. what it is interesting hmm well and you're also like putting it out there in the universe as well right like you're voicing it right well and two i mean now that we're talking about this Mm -hmm. okay so now that we're past like the whole covid and not really past it right but, but was it? the pandemic right. so obviously everything shut down mm-hmm. everybody was like super depressed right clearly because nobody could do anything right did you ever hear stories during that time there was a lot of stories coming out that there was a heightened level of paranormal activity during really? during that time yeah interesting and huh. so Maybe it has a connection with right. what you're saying then. right um because so obviously you have all that energy right people are depressed mm-hmm. um people trauma are, right mm-hmm. um and also though one of the things that i do want to point out though is you as a person you aren't always aware of of your surroundings no mm-hmm. matter how much you try um and so during this period you know people are, are home constantly not leaving their house all of a sudden, the, yeah, they're in their own home, but in their own home, which they don't really spend that much time in, usually. Probably because they're, like, busy at work right. and who knows how long they right. spend there. Yeah. And then now all of a sudden you're hearing things that you've never heard before, but just because you don't, in all reality, know your whole house. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't know the creeks or the right. the water dripping or the pipes or whatever it is, the mm-hmm. wind. All this kind of stuff kind of factors into it, uh, making people think, oh, my gosh, yeah, maybe it's haunted type mm-hmm, deal. Mm-hmm. The people that were stuck there at home, did they finally start realizing and noticing things going on in their house and all of that happening and the occurrences? And then all of a sudden, maybe it did bring up that spike. And that's one of the points that th- this article that I was reading that it did actually uh, point out 
Um, it was actually an article on sci-fi.com and they did say, you know, whether or not it's the fact that these people already had a haunted house and just never knew it, um, or if it was, like I said, just normal everyday occurrences of your old home, mm-hmm. not really sure. Like when the the Warrens, when they started coming out with uh, all their stuff and kind mm-hmm. of getting big, right. I think that was also... Um, when we were coming out of the Vietnam War. So again, coming out of like trauma. Mm -hmm. And so you're having like this huge buildup and like the whole world is going through this trauma. spike of it. Right. Okay. Right. So. Wow. That that makes a lot of sense. Right. It's correlated. So I don't know. I mean, trauma has a lot to do with, with I think a lot of, uh, like the activity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, because even I've also heard of cases where, yeah, there is a traumatic event that happened in a location. Mm-hmm. And naturally, you know, paranormal investigators want to go investigate. Yeah. Understand the activity. Um, but they're coming in knowing what they've heard. Mm-hmm. and trying to verify this information mm-hmm. they're unknowingly reprojecting mm-hmm. that trauma yeah and then you get like numerous people coming through here you possibly get like tour groups coming mm-hmm. through here knowing all of that okay knowing all that trauma they're reflecting that trauma back onto this location mm-hmm. and essentially building up that trauma into like a super heightened level where now it's exploded Mm -hmm. and it's like overload right Mm -hmm. wow yeah i've never heard of it but it does make sense Uh uh-huh like it's all connected right so i mean in in that respects i mean could that be what poltergeist activity is Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. true i don't know and i don't think anybody will ever know right But we'll just leave you guys with that to sort of think about. So thanks for joining us for another happy hour in the Spirit Lounge. I'm Lily. And I'm Vanessa. And this was the Haunted Happy Hour Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. And if you have Echo devices, an easy way to listen is just say, Alexa, play Haunted Happy Hour Podcast. Plus, follow us on Facebook and Instagram to check out our next episode teaser and drink feature. See if you can guess what our next topic will be. Until next time. Cheers. Cheers.